Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Amen. All right, so um, April 2nd, before we get started, I go tomorrow. Um, we're going to meet with the pastors tomorrow. I got to get the sign up at y'all's house <laughs> so, for the concert. It is April 2nd, 6 to 9 p.m. Um, and uh, added to Ryan Reese was not able to make it, but they're sending Austin Carlisle, who is from a group called Of Mice and Men. Um, they've toured with Metallica and you, you can just go down the list of people uh, and uh, he's given his life to the Lord and um, yeah, wonderful testimony but he's gonna be coming as well and so we're we're excited about that and so um, posters should be coming out probably I got to get with Dave probably tomorrow and so we can start getting them up so if you have a business or something that y'all want to put in put it in the window we definitely want to go around asking so some of the pastors are going to do that as well and so uh, just keep all that in prayer there's a i think we added up the cost today we're we're about at ten thousand dollars i think and yeah now you see the faces uh but we're not the only one helping in this endeavor <laughs> and there's other churches uh, so just keep it in prayer for the financing and for just what the Lord wants to do. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, you know, you bring somebody in, they got to have a hotel to stay in, they got to have a place to crash. Uh, all that stuff costs money. It's part of the ministry. And I knew that when we stepped out to do this, that it was going to be, be crazy. And so I know that uh, the Lord's going to provide. Uh, the Lord's already been doing that. Most of the costs, probably be maybe a little bit over 50% of the cost has already been taken care of. And so we're just praying for the rest of that. And hopefully tomorrow as we talk to the other pastors, the rest of that will, will happen. And so, and then we're also meeting with uh, uh, the board next week. And so we'll talk to them and hopefully, you know, the Lord will provide. And so that's what we're praying for. Um, it's going to be a blessed time. We can't let stuff like that to stop us. you got to go for it. Uh, I, I had posted something the other day from a pastor. It's a pastor that I listened to out of Georgia. Um, he always wears Georgia Bulldog stuff, so I love that. But it's, it's like he said, if God had, had told you this thing that you're going to do is going to succeed, would you do it? Would you go for it? And then why aren't you going for it? And, and so for me, that's what I told Matt. Let's go for it. Let's step out in faith. Let's see what God's going to do. Uh, I believe in, a, in, in uh, as, as soon as we announced that Austin Carlisle, uh, Matt got hit up by a couple of his friends already like that. They want to go because they know him. I don't know him, but they know him. 
And so that's, at the end of the day, that's what we want. People to come that doesn't know Christ and to come to know Christ. That's the whole point of having the, the, uh, the event. And so just keep that in prayer. Next week on Wednesday before we go to Houston, because we got the conferences already next week. Um, so next week before we go to Houston on Thursday, we have a night of prayer here. And so we are going to spend that night praying specifically for that event and then for y'all's individual events, uh, in events, y'all's individual prayer needs. <laughs> and so that's how we're going to do it. So, uh, and so we need to be praying for it. That's one of the things is like we need to be praying for those that are going to, you know, see the sign, that the, see the posters or somebody invites them that they don't let the enemy stop them from coming. And, and, you know, the, the cool thing is, is both events are rain and shine events. So if it rains, we have the Natalia cafeteria, which holds up to 400 people. So we can still have, we still have the event happening. So it's going to happen regardless. And then the, the next night at uh, Westlake Shopping Center, if it rains, they have a facility right there ready to go to do the concert. So it'll be, you know, it'll be a lot of fun. All right, let's go ahead and get into Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. I entitled this, His kingdom shall not be destroyed. His kingdom shall not be destroyed. So tonight, as we head into Daniel chapter 7, we're heading into the prophetic portion of the book of Daniel. We're leaving the historical portion. And, and understand that this part of Daniel is not chronological. So we're actually going back to where uh, at the time when, it, when he was with uh, Belshazzar's time and, and the dream was very uh, similar to Nebuchadnezzar's but he got more detail. So it's Nebuchadnezzar's dream but he got all the detail that goes beyond what Nebuchadnezzar was, uh, was given. And, and one of the things that we need to remember as we head into prophecy, there's a, a, a few things that we need to remember is that uh, in Revelation 19.10, it says, And I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to him, uh, said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you, and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, as we uh, spend quite a bit of time, we need to understand that, that, um, that Jesus is the substance of all prophecy. And, and, and it bears witness to Jesus. Uh, prophecy is, uh, that foretells the future uh, that, that has happened and, and will happen has been 100% accurate. And, and so we know that they've been fulfilled and, and down to the minute detail. So think about it. When, when Judas betrayed Jesus in Zechariah 11 verses 12 to 13, it says... Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me the wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as, as my wages 30 pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, the Lord, uh, lordly price at which I was, uh, I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. So we know that even down to the minute detail of, uh, of the exact amount of coins that were going to be given for Judas to betray Jesus is in the Bible. We know that Jesus as a suffering servant, as uh, it was said that he would be buried in the grave of a rich man. 
It, it's in the Bible. In Isaiah 53, verse 9, it says, And they made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich man in his, in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. It was fulfilled in the book of Matthew, in, in Matthew chapter 27, verses 57. It says, When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. And he went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own tomb. When he had cut in, uh, in the rock, he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. We also know that the suffering servant, Jesus uh, the Lamb, uh, did not defend himself in the trial. And it says that in Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like sheep that before its shearer is the silent. So he opened not his mouth. And that was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 27, verse 12. But when he was accused by the chief priest and the elders, he had given no answer. And so we see that prophecy after prophecy is centered around Jesus Christ. And so when, when we look at prophecy, it's very important to understand that 25% of the Bible is prophetic. One in seven verses in the New Testament are prophetic. And so you have to have, as a believer, that's why we're going to spend time on this, is you have to have a foundation of, of what you believe in. You have, to, you have to take a position. You can't be... Uh, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really get into end time stuff. That doesn't work. You have to be. Because you need to be prepared. And if anything, you see the, the world that we're living in now is, is, is preparing for what's happening in the, in the near future. We have to be careful because what happens is there's a, uh, a teaching called Replace Theology, which actually will remove Scripture... And it, it's, they're known as the Reformed Church because what they do is they teach that the church replaced Israel. That's what they do. And, and replace the many promises made to Israel in the Bible that they were fulfilled in the, uh, by the Christian church, not in Israel. And, and you can't do that. You can't do that. And so unfortunately what they will do is some of the prophecy that has come to to pass, they, they will have crazy theories or they'll remove scripture or they'll say this is an allegory. Uh, and they express the, the, the battle. They'll say, what's a, an allegory? A battle between good and evil. And that's wrong. That's wrong thinking. Because both the Old Testament and the New Testament support premillennial and dispositional uh, understanding of God's plan for Israel. We believe in pre-trib. That's what Calvary Chapel believes in. We believe in the millennial kingdom, right? And, and so when we look at Revelation 20, verses 1 through 7, we know that it's in the book of the Bible that Jesus is going to reign for a thousand years. In Revelation 20, verses 1 through 7, it says, Then I saw an angel coming from the heaven and holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon and the ancient serpent, who is the devil, and Satan bound him, for a thousand years, and he threw him into the pit, and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he would 
uh, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those whom the authority to the judge was committed, also the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and the holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. You will reign and be a thousand years with Jesus. But the replacement theology doesn't teach that. They, they, they don't believe in that. And so there's different theories about what's going to happen during end times. And we know that, that after the tribulation, the Lord will return to establish His kingdom. It just read that in Scripture. And what they do is they remove it. And so you have to be very careful when you get into uh, to prophecy... Uh, because these kind of things are there that will trip you up. It's very easy to get, to get uh, swayed in a, in a different way. We know that the church uh, is, is going to reign with Jesus for a thousand years. But I also know that Israel is part of the end times plan. And, and we cannot, cannot excuse that or, or try to remove that. It's wrong. The, the, uh, the Lord will establish His kingdom in the nation of Israel. And, and Christ will reign over the whole earth. And Israel will be the leader of the nations. The church will reign with Him for a little thousand years. The church has not replaced Israel. And so we need to make sure we understand that God has not forgotten Israel. Why do you think people are returning to Israel? Everything's being set up. For end times. For the return of Christ. See, the other problem with prophecy is, is people will play the game of, hey, let's figure out who the Antichrist is. And they start throwing names out. And they'll do videos. And then they'll take newspaper articles. And they'll say, well, this is end times. Or they'll do this. And look, y'all, one of the things you need to be careful for is where you're going to get your information from. If you're new... To study in prophecy, you need to stick to... Jack Hibbs has a wonderful bunch of people that come on his uh, church that share. Amir is one of them. They have uh, Barry Stagner. You got James Caddis and uh, Don Stewart. Stick to the Calvary Chapel people at the beginning. Then there are other people. But if you're brand new to it, don't branch out because you can get lost very quickly. There's a lot of mess on YouTube. A lot. Um, and, and so you got to be careful with it. And so one of the things that we need to remember is, is in Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, uh, your, ways uh, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And we, we have a certain amount of spiritual understanding. But sometimes we can overthink the thing. And we'll spend so much time trying to come up with a theory that we're missing the people that are right in front of us that need the gospel. You see what I'm saying? That's, that's the important part. It's, it, end time should have you ready for Christ's return. But it's also to remind you that Satan is trying to keep as many people with him as possible 
and, and have them go to hell. He wants to keep their souls. And what did Jesus say about the promise of a sign? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 4, it says, An evil, adulterous generation seek for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed them. So he tells them, destroy the temple, and Jesus declared it. In three days I will raise it up. That's the one sign Jesus promised, right? Give up your, your own and, and lay aside your agenda. So anything worth more than your soul. Life is only found in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the life and giver of life. And so that's who we need to focus on when we look at prophecy. The other reason why we study prophecy that's really important, it'll bring us near to God. It'll bring us near to God. And Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it says, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing His secrets to His servants and the prophets. A prophet proclaims God's word because the Lord is doing something important to warn His people. That's what prophecy is about. It's to warn His people. In Psalm 25, 14, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and he makes known to them his covenant. If we love God and we fear him and obey his word, he will draw near to us and share his plans with us. But if you're being disobedient <laughs> and living your life however you're going to live it, and then you're over there trying to tell people, oh, this is going to happen, and this is going to, it's, it's like, no, you need to be in God's word. You need to be asking God to reveal that stuff to you. But sometimes he's not going to reveal everything to you. And so we need to remember that. The other thing it does is it, it allows us or affords us a knowledge of worldwide purposes. We have to understand that, that what God is doing goes beyond America. For some reason, we think everything of prophecy or everything that should happen should involve us. It's about the nation of Israel. It's about the church. It's about the, 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 the fight between heaven and hell. In the reign of Christ and His return. And so what we have is sometimes we'll have a very narrow-minded view of prophecy of how it's going to affect me or how it's going to affect the United States. Uh, we're not in there. We could be gone. And we'll talk about the four winds. The four winds is, is God can remove very quickly. United States is, is, you know, not in, uh, in the end times. Nothing specific about us. So there's a, a good possibility we won't be here. And so, you know, but unfortunately, everybody in America thinks it's about America. And, and so it, at the end of the day, it's like that's a narrow-minded thought. It's about the nation of Israel. And that's why as Christians... We always stand with the nation of Israel. You cannot be. This, this always irks me. When you have a, 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 a someone who claims to be a Christian and is, becomes a politician and then they, 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 don't, they don't support Israel. But they'll support Palestine. And it's like, that you're, as a believer in Christ, the nation of Israel 
is God's nation. And God's going to return for the nation of Israel. And, and those that, that come against the nation of Israel will pay a heavy price. Because God's going to protect them. And, and so we see a lot of times uh, just over the past probably four years where people have gotten, you know, you see anti-Semitic stuff that's being put out there and it's sad. You know, it's at the end of the day, you know, uh, we need to remember that that um, that they're part of the uh, they're part of the destiny of the, the end times as the nation of Israel. And also one of the things the prophecy does, it gives us hope. In Romans chapter eight, verse 24, it says, for in this hope we are saved now hope that is seen is not hope for hope for what we sees or for what he sees we can look to the future and trust that god is in control i think some of us look today and we go there's what what is going on in our world it's very easy it's very easy to go i i i don't see any hope right now but you can if you study the scriptures, if you study prophecy, that you know that God's in control. We just, we just learned that last week as we, as we learned about the, the, his kingdom forever, everlasting. We look to God in the future. We look to see that, that Jesus has not left us alone. He left us with the Holy Spirit. It also uh, presents the Word of God. It's, it presents the, the Word, the, the speech of God. As we study prophecy, we, we see God's Word being, being uh, spoken. In Deuteronomy 29, 21, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us, to our children forever, that, that we may do all the words of the law. It reveals to us that everything that we should know, everything that we need to know is in God's Word. It's holy. And we can trust it. And prophecy also is, it gives us a, a proper perspective of history. When we look at history, we know that uh, uh, something that, that's happening uh, maybe we're looking at it and we're going man we're going into some dark times and and i we a lot of us we look at that and go we've been in dark times right look at second peter chapter 1 verses 19 through 21 i love this verse it says and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing the first of all that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that it's, it's, it's a light that shines in a very dark place. We can find hope in it. That's why you see Christians on their knees praying for the Ukraine, for their country, 
I mean, they were just in, what, four years ago? They were back, or five years ago, they were back in, in, in fighting. And now they're, they're, they're on the verge of this again. And, and at the end of the day, they can find hope in God. This is not, our, this is not the end. That's, that's one of the things that there's freedom in that. When you actually accept that, that, look, whatever happens to me, this ain't the end. It's, it's like my brother's wife that passed away today. She knew the Lord. She's not worried about this place no more. She suffered for two weeks. Fighting. And now she's praising God tonight. And you go, but she died. <laughs> she's not dead. She was born into heaven today. And see, it's, it's that perspective that we're supposed to have, but a lot of times we don't have that. We look at the world and we, get, we look at the news, we look at the world, we look at our Facebook, we look at our Instagram, we go bad thing after bad thing after bad thing, $4 gas prices, electric going up, all this stuff, and it's like God's in control. The other thing it does, it actually purifies our life. So when we allow God's will to, to be the thing that drives our life, it, it helps us through the process of sanctification. And we forget that. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But what we know that when He appears, we will be like Him. Because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And the last thing is it, it influences the way that we serve. Prophecy influences the way that we serve. We actually spend time in God's word and we understand that, that our time here is limited. Um... And we need to step out and serve God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, it says, For what is our hope, joy, our crown of the boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not you? And in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord your, uh, the Lord your labor is not in vain. And in Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 46, it says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. That's the other thing about prophecy. Anybody tells you this is the day that it's going to happen, you need to delete it. Move on from it. Just run from it. Because nobody knows except for God. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as there were the days of Noah, so there will be coming the Son of Man. For as those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the, the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So uh, will be the coming of the Son of Man. And this is very important right here. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. Stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. That's why our service to God is like, what is he going to catch you doing? 
But you know that uh, you know this that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake, and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Who then is faithful servant whom give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant who whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Prophecy should push us to serving and letting people. What is the purpose for us to go out? Right? Is to share the gospel. That's our purpose. Your time is limited. And so there should be a sense of urgency. That's what prophecy should do. It shouldn't scare you. A lot of people, it scares them. They get nervous about prophecy. Because they're like, you start talking about end times, and you start talking about the mark of the beast, and the Antichrist, and people get nervous. It should excite you. It should let you know, hey, our time here is short. And he can return at any moment. So when we get into Daniel, the dream itself is as we see, and I know that's a big intro, but trust me, we're not going through the whole thing, all 14 verses tonight. I know everybody's tired, and I won't do that to y'all. We're going to take our time going through Daniel chapter 7. There's a lot that we have to cover. We have to cover about the Antichrist. We've got to talk about the four winds. We've got to talk about the great sea. Then we have to deal with all the, uh, the different... Um, Things that are within the dream, the beast and stuff. And so Daniel actually, as we, as we look at this, Daniel gets more detail than, than Nebuchadnezzar did. And so uh, the Medes and the Persian we know had conquered and, and that part of the dream had been fulfilled already. Uh, Balthazar, we went over that last week. Balthazar was prideful and didn't want to listen. And uh, the, the Medes and the Persians came in and conquered them and took over. And that was actually part of the dream. And so in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and uh, back in Daniel chapter 31, verses uh, 31 through 35, and then the interpretation was in Daniel chapter 36 through 45. Remember, it was the head, the breast, the arms, uh, breast and arms, the belly and the thighs, the leg and the feet. And that was all the statue. Okay. And, and it dealt with the, the, the different world powers. So you had the Babylonian power, which was the head of gold. The Medes and the Persians, which were the breast and the arms. The belly and the thighs, which was the, the Greek <coughs> army or the Grecian army. And then the legs and the feet were the Romans, right? And, and then you have the, uh, uh, the future ten horns, which we'll talk about. And then the little horn, which is the Antichrist, which is involved as we will go through it. Uh, part of the interpretation that we go through in, in Daniel, the vision of the four beasts. Um, you have the lion, the bear, the leopard, and, and then we'll get into the, the rest of it. So I know it's, it's a lot <laughs> to, to take in, but uh, remember, Daniel spent most of his life in captivity. A young man, 14 years old, 14, 15 years old. And, and, and yet he was still a servant of God, dedicated to God. And, and so serving the king, even though the king was prideful, even though he was taken, taken away to captivity, he still served the king. He was still obedient and did what God had called him to do. 
And, and so uh, we need to remember that, that when we're called to serve, it's, it's uh, the, the, the way up is down in the kingdom of God. And what I mean by that, we'll actually go over that this weekend in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all, the servant of all. And that was Daniel's heart. Daniel, Daniel cared uh, about serving the king. He even cared about the, the king's uh, relationship with God. Wanted him to repent, and he wouldn't do it. And, and so we... we uh, we see as we dive in, and, and we see Daniel is, is some 20 years earlier. So this, this part of the dream, so remember Daniel chapter 7 is not chronological. So this goes back to Belshazzar, and it's about 20 years earlier. Daniel's in his late 60s at this point. So remember last week he was in his 80s, right? And so one of the things that I love is you're going to see the, the revealing uh, the the revealing of God's word, the proof of his prophecy being fulfilled. And so this is where people struggle. is like they, they'll argue over whether this prophecy was fulfilled or not fulfilled. And it's like, just fulfilled, it's 100% accurate. The reason why I gave you those verses about Jesus is to show you it's 100% accurate. You can go back and look in this statue, everything that's happened up until the ten horns and the Antichrist, the future... But all the rest of it's happened already. The way, the way God said it was going to happen. And so this event happened somewhere between chapters 4 and 5. Uh, and, and it deals with the four symbols of the kingdom. Uh, and, and so one of the things that we will see as we get into verse 8, you're going to see in verse 8 the little horn. And the little horn actually deals with um, a key person. It's the man of sin, the son of perdition, it's the Antichrist. And we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll spend time on that. But let's look at, at verse 1 here, and we'll just probably get through the first three verses, right? And then we'll stop. Uh, it says in verse 1, In the first year of Balthasar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and a vision of his head, and as he laid in his bed, then he wrote down the dream and told them the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and a four great beasts came up uh, out of the sea, different from one another. Now we see here that, that Daniel receives the vision at night. And it's the same dream that, that Nebuchadnezzar gets, but it's, a, it's more detailed. The four winds of heaven actually represent God's sovereignty. We talked about that this past weekend. Uh, it talks about God's control and, and His judgment and how he, will, how he will control the nations. And we see uh, in, uh, as we talk about the four winds, the four winds are covered some 90 times in Old Testament and some 30 times in the New Testament. And it speaks about God's sovereignty. So whenever you see the four winds or the winds, uh, it, it's talking about God, God's will and his sovereignty. In Jeremiah chapter 49, verse 36, and it says, I will bring up Elam and the four winds from the four quarters of heaven, and I will scatter them to all the winds, and there will be no nation uh, to which those driven out of Elam shall not come. In Ezekiel 37.9, a, a, a verse you're probably very familiar with, when the dry bones come to life. Then he said to, uh, to me, prophesy to breathe, prophesy, son of man, 
say to breathe, thus the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breath of these slain that they may live. That's what the four winds are, God's sovereignty. Right? In Revelation chapter 7, verse 1, it says, After I saw the four angels standing at the four corners of earth, holding back the four winds of the, of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth or see against, the, uh, against any tree. And so we see right off the bat God's sovereignty and God's will. And so God's sovereignty and God's will did what to Nebuchadnezzar? He was proud. He should have been humble, but he wasn't. And, and, and so God had to uh, deal with him. But eventually, Belshazzar, last week, we saw that Belshazzar was very prideful, didn't want to listen, and God's judgment and sovereignty was done. Just, how, just the way it was prophesied. The other thing that we see is the great sea. The four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. Now the great sea is the Mediterranean Sea. It's also known as the sea for the, the, the multitudes and the nations. It represents the Gentile world. Right, and so uh, the Mediterranean Sea in Revelation chapter 17, verse 1, is talked about. The one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, and I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on, uh, on many waters. In Revelation 17, 15, And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are the peoples and the multitudes and the nations and the language. And it's talking about stirring up this, the, the, the great sea is dealing with the Mediterranean Sea. It deals with the judgment and the, and the will of God's sovereignty and how he's going to deal with things. And so when you see that in Scripture, you need to remember that it's dealing with the, the nations and, and it's dealing with the, the multitudes of, of the people on earth. In verse 4 it says, the, the, first, uh, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I looked at its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground. And the man's uh, made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a, of a man was given to it. Now the first uh, beast that's, that's actually given here is actually the national symbol of Babylon. It's a winged lion. That's what it's talking about in here. And so, uh, God brought down uh, and, and dealt with the pride of Nebuchadnezzar, but then, you know, plucking the wings also of, of uh, Belshazzar. Because he, he didn't want to listen either. He was very prideful. And so when someone points out something to you and, and, and you respond in your flesh... That needs to be dealt with because that, that's a form of pride. You know, when, you're, when you get all excited and you want to respond, I need to be heard, right? Do you really? Because Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he, he ruled everything and he didn't want to listen. And even Daniel, and it, it, this, this man of God tried to reason with him. And ask him to turn from this thing. And he wouldn't do it. And see we need to remember. With Belshazzar the writing was on the wall. Right? It was written on the wall. And he did not. Didn't pay attention to it. 
And so for us, we need to remember God loves the humble. And we're, and, and we're supposed to uh, resist the proud. And so, you know, we have to ask ourselves, are you, are you filled with pride today? And Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12 says, Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. See, if we humble ourselves, we repent, and, and, uh, and He will lift, uh, lift us up, or He will humble you. It's much better to walk in humility than have to crawl in humiliation. That's what King Nebuchadnezzar had to do, right? Just repent. Stop being prideful, right? It's, it's, you know, and that's what the ripping of the wings were. Pride. They didn't want to listen. What did King Nebuchadnezzar do? I'm going to make my own statue. <laughs> right? Prideful. And instead of, of walking in humility, he ends up walking in humility, King Nebuchadnezzar did. But he had to crawl in humiliation. Belshazzar never got it. Even though the handwriting was on the wall, he never got it. He stayed in his pride. And so for us, that's the same thing for us is, is, is when we have that pride that's going on and we respond in our flesh, we need to repent. We need to repent. We need to humble ourselves because guess what? If you don't, God will humble you. That's one of the things we forget. Because you're, a, you're His. You belong to Him. You belong to Him. And that's, that's important for, for me to remember as well because I, you know, I'll talk to people sometimes and they're going through stuff and, and they're trying to control every situation in their life. And they, they, they don't have any control. It's God that's in control. And they're prideful. And they think that they're making all these things happen and these moves happen. And it's like they, but they have no peace in their life. And it's like they need God. You need, to, you need to humble yourself. It's, it's one of those things that, that uh, sadly, you know, in our culture today, we, we have a lot of prideful people. People want to argue about everything. They just want to... I mean, you could tell this is gray, and somebody would argue that's white or that's blue. Like, they would argue the color. I know that's not the prettiest thing. But they would argue it. Because that's what we've gotten into now. With Instagram and, and all the different social networks. What do we want to do? We want to argue everything. I get guilty of it, too. I see something and I'm going, you know. Humble ourselves. Y'all looked like my students when I was in school of ministry. So when my students had that glazed eye over there. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. You've gotten a lot tonight, and that's why I get it. I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not dissing you. I'm just saying, I, I, when, my, when my students in school of ministry give me that glazed look, it's time to wrap it up. We're going to stop. And I know we're supposed to go to 14. We're not doing that. You'll have to understand, the reason why I went over all that stuff about prophecy 
we have to start a foundation. Okay? So if, you don't, if, if you've never studied prophecy, we need to give you a foundation. We have two people that I know that study prophecy quite a bit. And, and they will help you if you have questions or, that, that, you know, they'll, they'll help you. But I want to make sure you get a foundation of why prophecy is important, Jesus. Right? Revelation, we went over that verse in Revelation. And that's the centered around Jesus. And, and what is the purpose of prophecy? Because there's a purpose for it. And you have to have what you believe. You cannot have no opinion as a Christian. So we're going to end up, we'll stop right there. We stop where, Court? Verse 4, right? Just making sure you're awake. <laughs> you know what? We'll pray, and, and God bless y'all. I know that that was going to be a little, little tedious at the very beginning. I apologize. But next week we'll get into some fun, because next week we'll deal with the Antichrist. And the Ten Horns, which is a whole nother. Oh, no, not next week. We'll be in prayer next week. So you have to wait. A whole nother week. We'll be in Houston next week too. So God bless y'all, and and I hope that uh, hope that y'all have a safe ride home tonight. So let's pray and let's wrap it up here. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much uh, tonight for worship. Uh, as we think about you know that purifying, Lord, we need that. Uh, we need that in our lives. We need you to purify us, Lord. Uh, purify us of any sin, any pride, any. Uh, anything that we're holding on to, Lord, allow us to give it over to you. Um, if, we're, if we're upset with somebody, if we have division with somebody, if we're, um, you know, uh, struggling with the way that the world, the way we see it right now, is, is that we would not look at the world, but look to our hope and our future and, and the coming of Christ. And know that we'll be in heaven or we'll be here with the millennial reign uh, with Christ. And that our names are written in the book of life. And that, that our life doesn't end here. And it's so easy to, to, to end this world right now. To get, to get down. And I pray Lord if there's anybody that's struggling with any kind of anxiety. Any kind of depression. Any kind of suicidal thoughts or addictions. Lord I pray that you would just speak to them. Uh, through your Holy Spirit and draw them to you. If they've walked away from you, draw them back, Lord. I pray for this event on April 2nd. I ask, Lord, that you would just do a mighty work and, uh, and, and for each person, you already know who's coming by name. You know every person that's going to walk and sit in the stadium and, and uh, at the football stadium and you know every person that's going to serve and every person that's going to help in whatever capacity they're going to do it. Tonight, we found out we got a generator. That was one of the things we had on the list. It's given to us for free tonight for us to be able to use. And that's an amazing thing that just goes to show you, Lord, when we step out in faith and we, we do what you call us to do, you're going to make sure as we go forward that the things are going to be put into place for your glory. And we pray that we would just keep doing that. I pray that we would be excited and invite people. I pray that, you know, as we, as we step out in faith, I pray that, Lord, you would just excite not only the, uh, the city of Divine, but Lytle and Natalia and uh, Miss Elba was talking about more as well. And we pray for Yancey and all these other places in Hondo and Castroville that they would come out and, uh, and, and just hear the stories of hope and, and hear about your son, Jesus. 
We thank you so much for all that you're doing. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.